Hey, everybody, it's Mike Morawski. I am the author of Exit Plan, your complete guide to multifamily investing and why you need an exit plan before you buy. Hey, I'm also the founder of My Core Intentions. If you want to learn more about multifamily and commercial real estate investing, subscribe to my friend Abel Pachenko's podcast. I know that you're going to love it. Everything that he covers and handles is going to be great for you and your business. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Five Talents Podcast. I'm your host, Abel Pacheco. I interview the top commercial real estate investors and industry experts so you can learn from their experiences. So if you're an investor, a high W-2 earner or real estate or tech sales professional that wants to invest in real estate without having to manage properties or leave your day job, then this podcast is for you. Or if you're already investing in real estate, but you're doing it part-time and you want to become a full-time multifamily or full-time commercial real estate investor, this podcast is for you too. You're going to learn a ton. You will learn from real-life multifamily investors and other professionals in the industry. They're going to share their blueprints for success. And I'm super excited that you're here. So I hope you enjoy the show. All right. Hello, hello. Abel Pacheco here with the Five Talents Podcast. We are super excited today. We have an amazing guest, Mr. Mike Morawski. Mike, thank you very much for joining. Hey, Abel. I am so appreciative of you having me on. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm excited because our guest, Mike here, if you're listening, you've never heard his name before. He's got a tremendous amount of success and now gives freely information, education, helps people, mentorship, coaching, all kinds of really, you know, fantastic ways to give back in the world. And he's got a, he's got a pretty awesome background. He's done 4,000 plus units and, you know, $18 million of, you know, I think capital raised, et cetera. I'll let him really hit on this stuff, but I wanted to make it a point to say, Hey, this is why you want to listen in, take some notes. I'm sure he's going to drop a lot of nuggets, a lot of insight here that we want to grab as much education as possible. So Mike, thank you very much for joining. Want to start, tell us about you, you know, give us a rundown of your background and we'll kind of lead into what you're doing today. Sure. Thanks, Abel. So I've been in the real estate space for about 30 years. So I'm kind of a veteran, I guess you might say. And one of my big things is, and I just like to share this all the time, is that success leaves clues. And I think we best learn from successful people and we best teach if we're successful because when we give away what we learn, it helps us grow and learn more. And one thing about real estate is there's always something to learn. So I started my real estate career after taking a year off. I was in the construction business, woke up one morning, burned out, said, I can't do this anymore. Like, 18 guys working for me, 20 vehicles on the street. And it was nuts what my life had turned out to be. And I said, I don't want to do this anymore. I sold that business and took a year off during which time I did a couple of uh, fix and flips that I lived in. And today they call that house hacking, right? Mm -hmm. Back then we didn't call it that. It was like, you're doing what? So my wife and I did a couple of those. And during that time, I met a real estate agent who was very successful. And I went to him and said, hey, you know, I'm thinking about going in the real estate business. Can I shadow you? And he said, I'll do better than that. I'll make you a cassette tape. And I always say that that kind of dates me, but he made Uh, me a cassette tape. I love it. Listen to that over and over and over again. 
So I get putting that information in my head. So my first eight months in the real estate sales business, I sold 78 houses. And because I followed a very simple model, you know, so I go back to and I say, you know, success leaves clues. We follow those simple models and we get really good at the repetitious boredom, the things that ultimately make you successful Mm -hmm. and you do really well over time. I built a team. We were selling about 125 houses a year, mostly listings. Mm-hmm. Uh, 75% was investor-based business. In 2005, I saw the market starting to shift. And as the market was starting to shift, I said, we probably should go do something else. And I had always wanted to go into the apartment business. Mm-hmm. And I had followed a couple of large syndicators in Chicago and watched them, understood the model. You know, very simple, right? You raise private equity, you find a great real estate deal, you marry the two, and you run it, operate it. Everybody does well. Yeah. yeah. Over a 30-month period, I raised $18 million, bought 4,000 apartments, built a property management company. We were managing about 7,500 units mm-hmm. and unwound all of that opened another property management company, built that up, sold that off. And today I'm in the coaching and training business. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a tremendous background and tremendous story. And and you're right. Success does leave clues. And if you follow and (laughs) if you are smart enough to kind of take the wisdom from other people's hardships, their obstacles, their challenges, and just cut right down to, hey, this is the most efficient thing. This is the best way. This is the best path. Then a lot of times you can cut through a lot of the stuff and, and just weed through it, which is why I have a heart for coaching, education, mentorship, coach, all the stuff you're doing, because, you know, right. that it's really helped me. I've joined a number of programs and probably like five or six, you know, as I start to add them up and, you know, it's a lot of money and everyone's worth it because it accelerates and speeds up, you know, my ability to, to perform and excel. Right. So, yep, I'm with you, man. Hey, so that was a lot of information, short period of time. What length of time was that when you first, like you did your first real estate deal as a multifamily? Did I hear three years, 4,000, $18 million? What year was that? Yeah. So 2005, I did my first syndicated deal. Okay. I, so I knew that my real estate sales production was going to change because the market was softening. So okay. I said, you know, the commercial industry is still hard, you know, or yeah. is still going strong and pretty robust. So I thought, well, let's move down that road. So I put a little crazy ad in the newspaper, right? And it said, real estate investors wanted We'll teach you everything you need to know and a phone number. And my phone rang like crazy for this little $45 (laughs) ad, right? I love it. And so I found some investors who wanted to invest in a syndicated deal. We bought a small 11-unit deal north of Chicago, which turned out to be okay. It wasn't what I expected, but... It, I learned a lot, right? And isn't that how we learn is by the experience? Man, big time. You know, I can, we can take as much education as you want, but if you don't act, it's just entertainment more than yeah. And it is something you can apply. But okay, so 2005, you put the ad. I love the fact that it was an ad. Yeah. For those maybe younger millennials, you know, <laughs> Craigslist, or I say millennials are younger, whoever's on the show, it's Craigslist today was, you know, back then they had the equivalent of those classifieds. Do they even still do those in the newspaper today? I don't know. 
Listen, this was pre-email, I think. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, well. you know, this was back in, you know, 2005, right? So yeah. it was early. There was no Craigslist yet. And there was no really robust internet like we have it today. So it was still the newspaper. You could advertise in the newspaper. Yeah, and- yeah. yeah. I'm sure they're still classifieds today. I bet you if I look, but very rarely do I think of it. Yes, and Craigslist, it was around, Mike, because I was in the internet. This is about 2006, so it just kind of like get going. But, right. you know, that little equivalent of a post, hey, you know, investors wanted, I'll teach you everything you know. Were those your first investors or students or both? How did you think about it? Those were my first investors. Okay, so- gotcha. So we did that deal in 2005 yep. and did two or three small deals in 2006. Okay. So I did 11 unit. I went to 64 units. I think we did like an 87 unit deal. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we busted out. <laughs> yeah. You crushed it. Yeah. We started doing in 2007, I think I did 22 syndicated deals. 22 syndicated yeah. deals. That was like. A project management nightmare, man. How, it, how in the world did that happen? Don't do it. Don't ever do it. If I could give anybody two pieces of advice, you know, you could really over leverage back then. So we were doing deals oh, at yeah. 10% in and at 15% in. It was crazy money. Don't wow. do it. So two things I would say is make sure you stabilize a deal before you go on to the next one and don't over leverage. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's good advice. So let me break this down for the passive investors. The point that Mike mentioned is over leverage. So when you're asking a syndicator, new operator, whatever, hey, what's your loan to value? What is the LTV that you guys are buying at? If it's 80-20 is kind of like a standard-ish, 70-30, you're borrowing less money from the bank. And if you're at a 60 or 65, that's like, wow, you're definitely putting a hefty down payment reducing some of the risk, your debt service coverage ratio is is good and right. you know that kind of thing, right Mike? Yeah, it's crazy. So you, back then, be careful. you could get yeah yeah yeah. And back then you could get into a deal with 10% and leverage like crazy. So 10 million dollar deal you're putting 1 million dollars in and the, the bank gives you 9. So yeah. yeah, a little more risky. And then the advice the is stabilize one before you move to the next. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I just wanted to kind of Oh no, that's okay. That so yeah, 2007 we did a a ton of deals. We started in Chicago. I bought one deal in Chicago, and what I realized right away was that I wasn't going to make any money in Chicago. And you know, now today the average price per unit is so high, but back then Chicago was really high. And I could go to other markets like I went to the Ohio Valley and I went to Dallas and northern Alabama and we were able to buy product in those markets for half of what it cost us in Chicago and the yeah. rents were relatively really close. So wow. we had the ability to cash flow better in in those other markets. So, you know, if you looked on a map between Indianapolis, Cincinnati, and Decatur, there's a triangle there that we owned about 1,800 units in that market, went on to Dallas and had about 2,200 units in that market. So mm-hmm. that it actually was probably closer to, yeah, about 2,200 units in that market. So yeah. Tell me about the type of team that you had to have this success because sometimes when I'm a passive investor, new, I'm trying to figure out, well, in my old world, you know, as an investor, I would buy a single family house and I could do this on my own. 
on a multifamily side, you're like, oh, it's a $10 million business. So you're going to need a team. And especially if you're doing 22 deals in a year, what did your team look like? Describe it a little bit. Yeah. So I was the guy, I went out and built relationships and looked at deals, right? And then I, I we had an acquisition team. We had a due diligence team. I had an investor relations team, my partner who ran the operations because I traveled a lot, right? I was out of, out of town a lot. And then we had the property management team. Mm-hmm. In the yep. midst, midst of that, we worked on putting a broker dealer together and this was, I don't know if anybody will remember, but this is back when there used to be these deals called tick deals, tenants in common. Mm-hmm. They, they still were, do them. They yeah. still do them today. Well, they're back now, but they went away for a while because oh. we, we oh. when we first started to build a broker dealer, we yep. were trying to do that tenant in common process and yeah. it went away. We spent a bunch of money putting this system in place and then all of a sudden it went away. And Well, you know what? This is good to talk about. So sorry to interrupt again. Uh, I apologize. No. But let's dive into this because, you know, we probably recorded 80 shows and I haven't had anybody talk about tenants in common. So maybe you can elaborate a little bit. What was it then? What went away? And how yeah. it's getting done today? So, so tenants in common used to be a deal where you could where they sold a deed to a property and people actually got pieces of the deed, right? Mm-hmm. So your ownership structure was was similar to what a, a syndicated deal looks like when you get a PPM and, a, and an offering memorandum, but mm-hmm. it was more a deed structure. It's sort of like if you were doing timeshares, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. It's an elaborate timeshare system. And it was really, really a strong business for, for a number of years. And then all of a sudden in 2008, the market got so bad that it went away, that that whole tenant in common deal went away. And it left a lot of syndicators in the marketplace kind of with real estate deals that they couldn't fund and couldn't get money on. Mm-hmm. So. Tenant in common deals, I think they're back today in the marketplace. I haven't looked at them, but you know, it's not really a lot. It doesn't give you any more advantages over a syndicated deal with somebody like yourself who's, you know, raising money on a, on an apartment complex. That's what I was going to ask you was advantages, disadvantages. You know, what is it? The people that I've heard are in them today, like pretty high, you know, high net worth individuals that kind of sound like they want to do away with many multiple investors. I don't want to raise a bunch of capital from anybody. I want to be the owner and me and two or three people. It's a kind of sound like a JV deal. I, I just, I don't know enough. So yeah, I don't know what the structure's like today. I know they went away for a while and I never yeah. followed them after that again, because we went in a different direction. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But so I don't know what the structure on those look like today or if it's advantageous for somebody or not. No worries. Uh, yeah. Hey, you know, as a private investor, you get a K1, right? So it's passed through cash flow and yeah. it's good and it's, it has its good side and its bad side, right? So, yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, so let's stay within on the track record that we've been talking, right? So, which is really, you know, amazing. 11 unit deal, 60 something unit deal, 80 unit deal, yeah. and then two 22 deals, just amazing run. You built an acquisition team, a due diligence team, investor relations, property management, broker dealer. So all of this stuff happened, you know, very quickly and you were on a tear. What wisdom or insight can you give, you know, maybe our general partners, our new active 
deal sponsors, people that are, you know, trying to figure this stuff out. They've yeah. done maybe one. They're trying to get in the second. I don't think anybody's going to try to take on 22 in a year like you, but maybe give us the pearl of wisdom that, that, that you could say, Hey man, this, this is definitely applicable. I learned this along the way. And what should we know? Yeah. I think there's a number of things, right? Don't take your eye off the goal. Keep focused. Make sure that you're looking at everything. You know, I think that we get distracted and think that we can grow something bigger. At that time, people were throwing money at you as investment dollars, right? So don't grow too fast. Stabilize a deal before you go on to the next one. Mm -hmm. Don't over leverage. You know, I would over raise on a deal and I would mm -hmm. put extra capital on the side in case mm -hmm. there's ever a crush in rental occupancy rates again. Mm -hmm. You know, those occupancy rates dropped so drastically that there was no cash flow to help sustain during a period of time, right? Mm -hmm. So so you have to watch for that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So tell us about your book. Are these the type of lessons that you give? Well, I don't know if I explain yeah. this. Mike's an author of an amazing book. Mike, what's the title of your book? Tell us about it. Are these some of the lessons yeah. that you give? Yeah, so the book is called Exit Plan. And it's your complete guide to multifamily investing and why you need an exit plan before you buy. And my whole premise behind it, Abel, is that over the years, I've, I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on books and tapes and seminars and coaching. I've been coaching for 25 years. We talk about that in a minute, but people teach you how to get in a deal. They teach you how to mm -hmm. find a deal, how to buy a deal, how to stay in it, how to operate it. Nobody teaches you how to get out or when's the time to get out, or the structure for getting out. And really, I talk a lot about that in the book. It's about exit planning. It's about getting out of the deal and what you need. And at the end of the call, I'd love to give away copies of my book to your listeners. So uh, yeah. I've got a code, they can go to my website. But I model a book, I model a deal in the book that we did was a 450 unit complex that we bought in Dallas. Wow. Creative financing. Was a fifteen wow. million, yeah. Wow. Just to show you what cap rates were like back then, fifteen million dollar deal that we bought with two hundred and fifty thousand down. Oh my gosh, a fifteen million dollar deal, which will maybe get you a hundred plus doors, got you four hundred and fifty back then, right? And you only put two hundred and fifty k down, which right? We would definitely be raising a few million bucks to get into that deal, at a minimum at fifteen million dollars yeah. today. But anyways, that's awesome. Okay, please continue down this path. So that's that's the basis of the book. So yeah. I do a lot of training in the book. I tell a lot of stories about clients that I've had, coaching clients and investor clients that I've worked with over the years and and situations and deals that that they've done. So Hey, listen, I'm, I'm partial. I think it's a great read, right? And I've read it a, a number of times, right? Uh, putting it, it together. Yeah. But people who have read it said that it's a good read and it's been educational. I've actually had people say, hey, you know, I didn't know anything about real estate before I read it. And now I feel like I could go out and actually do a syndication. Nice. That's some good feedback. I'm definitely interested in, in reading it and learning more. I love education and we'll go check it out. And, and thank you yeah. uh, for doing so. So, the information that you provide, those are from your own lessons. You've learned a, a couple of things. I heard one word that you said, unwound. <laughs> You've got into a bunch of deals 
and you have to unwind yourself from those deals. And yeah. now, you know, you've exited, right? Talk to us a little bit about that process, like unwinding, you know, all it's, you know, it's not as easy as, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to sell my properties. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of moving parts. You know, when I think back and I sold my construction company because mm-hmm. I woke up one morning and said, I'm done. And I knew a couple guys that were looking for, I could break it up and sell, you know, clients to these guys and equipment to these guys. And I was done. Uh, it wasn't that easy, right? So there was a lot of spinning plates. You've got to let people go and you've got to back out of deals and you've got to, you know, unwind things. And it was a process and it's a big process, especially when you're managing other people's units. You know, we had a big third party company, not only managing our own, but managing other, other deals. And so there was a lot that went into it. Yeah. 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 And you've raised a ton of capital. So you've worked with a lot of investors. What are some of the similarities do you see today or, you know, similarities or differences rather like compare back then when you raised a bunch of capital to what's going on right now in the market? What are you seeing? Hello, hello. You're listening to the Five Talents Podcast. I'm your host, Abel Pacheco. If you're enjoying this podcast, then I know you're serious about achieving financial freedom. Are you ready to create your own path through multifamily investing for yourself and your family? Then I know you're going to appreciate our investor's guide to multifamily investing. It's titled Tackling Commercial Real Estate the Easy Way. We use this guide to invest ourselves in $93 million worth of real estate. So we're going to show you the basic mechanics of multifamily syndications and how to evaluate your next passive investment opportunity. So the best part, if you subscribe to our podcast now, leave us a review and a rating. I'm going to give you a free copy of our ebook. So please take a moment to do that now. Once you've done that, go to 5tcre.com forward slash ebook, 5tcre.com forward slash ebook. Make sure to let us know you left a review and we're going to send you a free copy. So thank you so much for subscribing to the Five Talents Podcast. We really appreciate it. You know, I think that what I'm seeing from a distance, because I'm not actively raising capital today, I'm not actively doing deals today, but what I'm seeing is is a very competitive market. I see a lot of people that have had a lot of dry powder sitting around, and now all of a sudden they're deploying it. You've got markets that are very hot and very strong that it's hard to find deals in. When I talked to a broker in Phoenix, and I was kind of set back, he said that his average price per door for a C-class deal is 189000 per door. Wow. Yeah. I underwrote a deal, looked at one in Phoenix a year-ish ago and walked the property and you know, we went out there and flew. I was just amazed that they wanted so much. And I think they, I know they sold to somebody. I didn't move forward on it myself, but yeah. So this is now where it makes sense to build new. There was a time period where it didn't make sense to build new because you could buy and operate so much less expensive, right? So Mm -hmm. I've never been a big developer, but I see today where you could get into the development side of of business and go vertical with a project and spend less money than what 
it's going to cost you to buy something. Because when you can, when you are spending 180,000 for a C class deal, you can buy it, you can build an A class for 140, 150 mm -hmm, a door, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's a big difference. Yeah, I agree. So that, you know, makes sense, right? Cost is up. What price can I actually go build at? We've kind of taken that mentality. We have a team that's doing a new development deal. And, you know, we looked at it and said, yeah, this one absolutely works, right? So when the prices go, you know, crazy per door and the cash flow is just very, very tight, then that's another alternative. So at this point for you, education, coaching, mentoring, talk to us about like what you're doing today. And so that way we, yeah. we get it. You jump right in. You had a lot of success. You unwound a lot of things. It took you a little <laughs> while, but finally got these things off your plate. And now you're spending more time with other, you know, call it like somebody like myself. Hey, I'm active. I want to get in it. I want to learn more. I want to get educated and I want to learn from somebody like you. So tell, tell us a little bit more about that, that side of the business. Yeah. So, you know, I've spent a lot of money over the years on coaching and training, not to mention the amount of time that just putting in practical experience. I'm an advocate for coaching. I actually still have, you know, after 25 years, I still have two coaches in my life today, one on the business side and one on the marketing and development side, right? The business development side. So, you know, I'm an advocate for learning, for education. I think that we always have to keep learning because if you don't, you quit growing. You know, people have asked me a lot, hey, why are you so passionate about real estate? Well, I'm passionate about it because there's so much to learn. You know, you could close two 100 unit deals in the same month and it wouldn't go the same way. They would all be different. And that's what is exciting about real estate is that it's always something different. You can learn something new and you can grow from it. And for me today, it's about giving back. How much more can I help somebody else learn? Cause I like to stand back and go, geez, look, look at what we created. Look at what we built. And if I can take somebody who didn't know about real estate, teach them how to do some multifamily deals, teach them how to do a syndication. That's a great transgression, you know, with people. And that helps people to grow. And I love to see other people grow. You know, we can have all the knowledge in the world, but knowledge is only as effective as the execution behind it. From the execution, we gain this wisdom, right? And I think that there's a lot of wisdom in the knowledge that you have, I have, that we've gotten over the years. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I love the, the mindset there. You, you've done it. Now you're helping others, giving back. That was kind of the, that was the goal, the, the intention of our Five Talents podcast was to try to help others. I enjoy serving. I enjoy, you know, helping others, you know, along but I'm only one man and I don't scale. So when I see my calendar get full for the next you know, month or two of people trying to have a 30 minute phone call, I can't do that. Let's try to do this. And this will, yeah. you know, people can listen to these whenever they want. Right, so right. yeah, that's exactly the mindset of, of giving back and helping others. And too many people have helped me through the years. So uh, to not, not do the same now, but th that's great. And so the coaching and the education, you know, you had, like you said, two coaches today. I have one as well. I meet with them every week because my professional coach, Marcus Ogden, is, you know, kind of has helped me a ton. Why do you still do coaches? Help somebody today right now. Yeah. So coaching, I can correlate to my business every year, year after year, growing 20%. Yep. So in revenue wow. and profitability, in activity, because of my coach. Because what my coach does is he helps me self-discover what I already know 
but helps me to put it on the plate and to activate it. So helps me to execute because he keeps me accountable. Because if I have to call my coach and say, you know, God, I didn't get this done. And he's going to say, why? What was more important? You know, or how do we need to adjust your schedule so you get this done? You know, that's a big, that's a big thing, right? I can, I can live with myself pretty peacefully if I don't do something and nobody's looking at my shoulder. But as soon as somebody's looking over my shoulder, it makes me have to be more active. And if I really want to grow and you know what, here's the thing. Coaching's not for everybody, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because you might say you want, want to be coached, but you might not want to put the work in. Because if you're going to get a coach, you're going to have to put some work in, in mm-hmm. order to grow your business. So you really have to ask yourself, it all starts with your why, right, Abel? You yes, know, sir. why are we doing something? Where do we want to go with my life, my business? And the other thing that I see is if somebody's been in the real estate space a long time, we have a tendency to get real busy, real active, and we get distorted. We over schedule. You know, we were going to do this podcast on another day and <laughs> say, hey, are, are you sure you're working on that day? Yes. And you said, oh, yeah. But, you know, little did we realize that family was more important and I'm yep. an advocate for family. Right. So family overtook that and mm-hmm. we had mm-hmm. to reschedule, which is good. Right. But here's what happens is our quality of life starts to deteriorate because we get too busy And one of my focuses with the real estate investor and the property management professional and any other professional in the industry is, hey, how do I help you live a better quality lifestyle? More balanced, more rounded, where you are really participating at full out on the things that really matter in your life. Yeah, I love it. That's awesome. So let me recap a couple of things that I heard, you know, (laughs) in case you're taking notes, 20%. You, you know, performance year over year from, or your correlation rather for a 20% increased performance from your coaches. So in direct relation to your business, I had a strengths coach on our show and her name's Kathy Kirsten. I don't know which episode it is, but you know, go check it out. And she gives some stats from Gallup. And I think they're a strengths coach kind of, you know, business and that's what they do. There's those stats that kind of say exactly what you do that if you hire a coach and have somebody there to help hold you accountable to your goals and your your tactics and you know accountability you are gonna have higher performance and it right. was like something like i don't remember it was 3x the amount that you pay or 6x or it was something ridiculous where you know if you pay you know twenty thirty thousand dollars for your coach a year then you're gonna get X amount over in return. And I just love those stats. And then right. hearing you, you know, say, say the same, I feel like I've experienced the same, you know, I meet yeah. with my weekly coach and, you know, have that accountability. It's, it's very important. You used to look at, at a return on a business model, right? If I spend a dollar, I want to make three back on that. On, yeah. Coaching, I think gives you 10 times that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it gives and, you much more. Yeah. And then I love the, you know, you're starting with why this is something else you mentioned. I started real estate investing in 2008 and my why was to have more passive income so that I could have more freedom so that I could be with my family and enjoy my time throughout the rest of my life. And like you said, man, I'm, I'm busy now. I have worked more hours probably than I did when I was working, 
you know, in the W2 professional realm. Right. So it's like, hey, man, the quality of life changes. So you you have to really be focused. Something you said earlier, focused. Don't take your eye off the ball and figure out what is it that you want. So we wrote a book as well this year with COVID and we start with like, hey, man, what are your goals? You know, put those down, put them down, write them, write them you know, down on paper and then go after those things because that's what you need to get centered on. The rest of the things, they'll come, right? You yeah, put enough sure. activity in real estate, it'll definitely come. Yeah. So those are awesome nuggets and, and wisdom points. And the quality of lifestyle. So so tell us about your quality of lifestyle today, man. What You've done some amazing things and now you're helping others. And tell us a little bit about yours today. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's a great question. And it's interesting because, you know, I hey, I love my life today. You know, listen, we've all experienced trials and we strength, we get, we find strength in the struggle, right? And mm-hmm. so I've experienced some trials in my life over the last few years. You know, I went through a pretty nasty divorce and things were kind of, you know, tough as a result of that. And yeah, today I have a life that I really enjoy. You know, I live in the city. So I love to walk and go out for a run. And so I get to do those things pretty frequently and get to spend time with my kids. And, you know, that's what's important today is the time with my family, with my kids and my lifestyle versus, you know, everything else I do. And the same token, I love to build into my clients. So somebody needs something, I try to make arrangements to be able to spend that time with them and, and be there for them. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, before I forget, let's do this now. Make sure to tell our listeners, our network, if somebody wants to get into your world a little bit more, where do I go? What do I do? And then you talked about a book earlier. You know, tell us how to get in contact with you, Mike. Sure. Great. And thanks for asking, Abel. So go to my website, which is mycoreintentions.com. It's mycoreintentions.com. And you can poke around on the website there. But if you scroll down on the front page, you'll find the ebook version of Exit Plan right there and start the download process. When you come to the coupon code, in the coupon code, if you put in five talents, put in five talents as the code, your download will be free. So you'll get a copy of the book for free. All right. What a value to our listeners and guests, yeah. Mike. And if anybody wants to call me, my phone number is 312-600-8007, or you can email me. Right on. All right. Well, great. We'll put those in the show notes as well. So if you're listening in the car or jogging or something, that they'll be in the notes. You can check them out later, the links right. to everything. And I have a couple more questions before I let you go, though, Mike. Okay. In general, what piece of advice, tactical steps – can you give a passive investor, a new investor that's trying to learn a little bit more about education? You know, I, I tactical step like, man, what do I do? What do I do first? I want to invest. I know that I'm good. What the heck do I do now? So when you say passive investor, do you mean the the actual investor who's investing in one of your deals that you're the syndicator on? Yeah, let's talk about two ways. Okay. One, I'm a limited partner passive investor. I'm just putting my money in the syndication. Right. And there's no active part to that. Give me right. a couple active and we'll talk about the same for the for the active general partners in a minute. So not everybody's going to mesh with everybody, right? You need to be involved with somebody who you're comfortable with, who you have a feeling that they're going to do right by you. As a passive investor, don't get hung up on the day-to-day 
things. Don't worry about that stuff. You want to worry about the big picture and you want to worry about long term. You know, don't worry about that. You know, somebody needs to have a repair guy come out and fix the security system on the front doorbell. You know, those things don't matter in the big picture. What matters in the big picture is, is the syndicator and the syndicator's track record. The lessons the syndicator has learned along the way and how they've responded to those lessons. I know that the first deal I did was a lot different than the 10th deal I did, right? Yeah. And yeah. the lessons that I learned between one and 10 were totally different. And the way that I dealt with my investor between deal one and deal tw 10 was totally different. Mm -hmm. So, you know, find a syndicator who's been around for a few years, who's doing it. And yeah. if you want a personal hands-on touch, find somebody who's going to give that to you. So you can fill your needs as a passive investor. You just have to know what they are. And here's what I tell people all the time. Write down everything that you want. Okay. Write down what you want that investment to look like. Write down what you want that passive investor to look like. Set those guidelines, those standards for yourself. It's just like myself as a syndicator. When I go to buy a deal, I have a set of buying guidelines. I have a set of operational guidelines. These are the areas that I need to operate in in order to have a profitable deal, right? Mm -hmm. So as an investor, I want to do the same thing. Yeah, that those are really great points. I think all the way through. You know, I don't have as much experience as you, but I'm on active deal number seven. And now I'm like, exactly what you mentioned. The lessons learned on number one and two very different than number four and five. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm like, well, number seven is completely different. And I'm dealing with different, you know, people's different strokes and, and every cycle gives you more education and knowledge. And, you know, if I'm a passive investor, I'm trying to mesh well with the right people. You know, some people may not care to talk to me. They just want the best return and they want to know that it's going to happen and, you know, cool. And then yeah. I have some of my investors that are exactly the opposite. Hey, I want to learn. I want to go through it. I want to do what you're doing eventually. Can you coach me a little bit along the way? And, right. you know, so yeah, if, if, if your syndicator is not going to help you, it's not the right, not the right person, vice versa. I may not care about that. I just want to be in a specific market, specific class, write those things down and then go seek that out. Right. That's right. great advice. Is one of the things that I, I learned too early on was how to evaluate a deal. And I can remember, I was just thinking about this. I can remember one of the first deals I looked at was about an hour and a half from my office. And my partner at the time, he and I had drove there and were driving back. And on the way back, I went through three legal pads, both sides on most of it, evaluating a deal, penciling the whole thing out. Mm -hmm. And which ultimately I learned from that experience because ultimately that became an Excel spreadsheet and an Excel program that we put together for deal yeah. evaluation, right? Yeah. So it's, it's interesting how you learn things along the way and how you grow as a result of each new stage that you come to. Yeah. Yeah. That's great insight because, you know, when you were doing these deals, there was not easy button deal analysis, Excel calculators that I can just go buy. Today, I can go to a number of and download 
for a hundred bucks, a really good deal analysis calculator and see seven different versions and have software programs. And I just put a T12 and I put a rent roll and there you go. Yeah. Uh, but back then, like you said, Hey, it was a little different. And so knowing the inner workings, it's like, show your math, show your work. When you're doing those math problems, you know it pretty well. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, for sure. Yeah, that's great. How about, you know, one or two steps for the active new general partner? So I know I want to go do this. I'm looking for my first or second deal. I'm trying to figure this stuff out. Maybe, yeah. you know, one or two tactical actionable items that, that they could do. An old carpenter taught me one time. He said, measure twice, cut once. And I think that as an active investor, that's what we need to do. We need to make sure that we are really looking at all of the things about a deal. You know, I tell a story in my book about don't fall in love with a deal. Don't get emotionally involved. So picture this, Abel. It's a beautiful spring morning. I'm walking a property in Dallas. The flowers are just starting to poke through the top of the dirt. You can hear the lawnmower from the landscaper running in the, in the distance. You can smell the grass, the fresh cut grass. The dew's coming off the pool. The steam's coming off the pool. The dew's sitting on the grass. I'm walking the property with a property manager, and I'm falling in love. Amazing. It, this deal it, sounds amazing already, Mike. <laughs> yeah. So here's the deal, though. I can't tell if I'm yeah. falling in love with the property or the property manager, right? And so <laughs> yes, I look at truth. this, and so all these red flags along the way, I don't pay attention to them because oh, I fell in love. So as a syndicator, don't fall in love with the deal. Yeah. I had my analyst in the office would beat me up, beat me up for two months before we finally pulled the plug on the deal because I thought it was better than what she thought it was. And I wanted the yeah. property. And so, yeah. So just pay attention to what you're doing. Measure twice, Me cut once. Measure twice, cut once. Don't fall in love with the deal. That was the first thing that one of my coaches in single family taught me in 2008. He's like, you're not looking at this one to live here an emotional buy, brother. And so I've still always taken that, you yeah. know, kind of mindset, even to, you know, today by multifamily apartment complexes, but you're right. It's so awesome. Well, yeah. Mike, it's been amazing having you on and I really enjoy the conversation. I think our listeners got a lot of value from today's show. Anything else that we didn't cover, anything else that we, you know, you wanted to talk about, you're hoping I asked about it and just didn't anything in general want to make sure to give you opportunity as well. Yeah, you know, just if people are looking for some guidance, if they're looking for some help, don't hesitate to reach out. We can schedule, I'll schedule a free 45 minute, 60 minute coaching call with people to see if coaching is right for them, to see if we can give them just a, even a couple of golden nuggets to help them move forward a little bit. A lot of times people might be stuck, right? So get unstuck, man. Take the next step move forward, you know, pick a book up, even if it's not my book, even if it's not my coaching program, go do something for yourself to further yourself. If 2021 is going to be a better year than 2020, then go do something about that. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Thank you yeah. so much, Mike. What a, what a great show. I'm really sincerely appreciative. I'm humbled and happy that you would join the show with us, give our listeners some wisdom. And again, my name is Abel Pacheco. I'm your host for the Five Talents Podcast. I know you got some value from today's show. I would love it if you would go to our podcast and subscribe, rate it, and leave a written review as well. Drop Mike a note, You know, reach out to him, tell him you heard about, or you heard him on this show. That'd be great as well. So thank you very much, Mike. Appreciate the time. Abel, thank you. I appreciate your time. Bye, everyone. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Five Talents Podcast with your host, myself, Abel Pacheco. Each week, we're going to bring you interviews from industry experts and commercial real estate investors who followed their dreams and achieved massive success. Before you leave, let me ask you a few questions. Did you enjoy this episode? Did you learn something valuable? Was your mind stretched to what's possible and what you can achieve? Do you want other experts just like the one you heard today? If you answered yes to any or all of those questions, then please take a moment to subscribe to the Five Talents Podcast. Give us a five-star rating. And most importantly, leave us a written review. Tell us what you liked. Tell us your favorite guests. Give us any feedback. I'm excited to learn and improve so you can get a more valuable show. So thank you again for subscribing to the Five Talents Podcast.